1: And we'll be talking about nonprofit accounting today. Go ahead, Dan.
0: All right. So first, first thing is to understand what is the correct pronunciation of that word. Is it niche Ditch
1: or niche or niche.
0: <laughs> um, So I actually looked it up, and um, and it can be either. So it's yes. it's kind of universal. You can say it however however you like. Um, but we're going to be starting a series, um, you know, throughout the year. Of doing some of these things with um, with niche nuances, because as as we've seen throughout uh, some of the some of the the, the way that the, the industry is heading and and independent practitioners uh, finding a niche niche <laughs> a niche. <laughs> is, I think uh, it
1: depends on where you live. <laughs>
0: right, right, right. East coast, west coast thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, finding a niche. Uh, is is what's going to allow you to one focus your your practice and your energy so you're not kind of oh I've got a retail client I've got a nonprofit client I've got I've got a manufacturing and wholesale but once you get yourself focused on a niche then you can build things out around about around that so like uh, you know the app, app the other third party applications that work with QuickBooks um, you know, you can really hone in or focus on those those things. So, uh, we're going to start off this series with nonprofits, and to that end, uh, we're going to have a guest here today, um, a friend of mine uh, that I just happened to run into. Um, centers her whole life around around nonprofits, and um, so so I, I thought, hey, let's let's have her in as a guest. You know, kind of get the overview of of some of those things about nonprofit accounting that um, that that might that our audience might might appreciate. So uh, to that end here, let me advance the slide of course, yeah. my mouse should be on the other screen. Here we go. <laughs> nope.
1: Yeah. Just go ahead and click next for me.
0: There we go. So there you go. <laughs> <back> <laughs> to you, Michelle, so, who are you?
1: So. Yeah, so welcome everybody. If you haven't joined us before, my name is Michelle Long. I'm a CPA with an MBA in entre- Entrepreneurship, the owner of Long for Success. I'm very glad to have you all joining us again today. Um, as Dan said, this is going to be a great series. I'm glad he had the idea of doing this, and I love the niche or niche nuances <laughs> title. I think that's great. Um, I wanted to let you all know that I'm the author of five different books, the QB practice set, the QuickBooks Online practice set, has been updated and that is available on Amazon along with all the other ones if you want to check those out. I do have the link for the Facebook group in there. You'll want to search Facebook groups for QB Power Hour. We'd love to have you join us out there and join in all the discussions that we have as well as the LinkedIn group. Dan, I think you introduce yourself next.
0: Uh-huh. Whoops, wrong way. <laughs> there we go. Uh so yeah, my name is Dan DeLong. I currently own a company called Danwith. So if you I've run out of bandwidth, and you need some bandwidth. <laughs> um, I, am proof, I am proof that there is life after Intuit. I did work for Intuit uh, for almost 18 years in uh, technical support, training, and and that sort of thing. So I'm I'm pretty proficient in any desktop online product with uh, within the e- Intuit ecosystem. Um, and I just finished uh, doing the technical editing for the fifth edition of QBO for Dummies, which should be. Coming out soon, and I just have a challenge with that title, but people seem to like it. You know? <laughs> I'm, I'm an official dummy, right? <laughs> but that, that sort of thing. Uh, so we have a few uh, announcements about what's coming up. If I can figure out which way to go, there we go. <laughs> uh, so Michelle, you so want as, to take these? Uh, yeah, yeah. So the,
1: as a reminder, um, for those of you that haven't joined us in a while, Hector and I can our split up and doing a couple different things Um, we are continuing as a QB power hour but we're not offering CPE right now that might come in the future but it's so time-consuming to deal with CPE so we are not offering CPE so this is not eligible for CPE today again join the Facebook group Hector and I renamed it QB power user community but when you search for it the URL is still right now QB power hours we'd love to have you join us out there Um, The topics, we're still going to talk about QuickBooks, but we will talk about a variety of topics. Like last last episode, we talked about um, becoming invaluable and irreplaceable as an advisor to your client. Um, With some of the changes in the industry, we talk about pricing, we talk about marketing. So we're talking about a variety of topics that will help you in your practice, not all QuickBooks. We also will talk about uh, third-party apps as relevant and bring in some of those people as well. You can always get all the handouts either from the GoToWebinar toolbar or if you're watching this after the fact, you'll see the URL there that has the handouts for the whole year's worth of um, power hours. Then also all the recordings will be on my YouTube channel. If you subscribe to my YouTube channel and allow notifications, it will send you an update when I get those um, uh, recordings uploaded to YouTube. Dan, go ahead and go to the next one.
0: Oops, that's the Uh end. (laughs) Challenge here.
1: Yeah. So I think we're we'll about some upcoming, upcoming events that we have. Our next episode, uh, as you know, we had to reschedule Rich Priest. We're going to be doing a discussion about QuickBooks Live and a Q&A and have Rich Priest joining us and his schedule change. We're We're trying to get him booked for our next episode. So we will, um, update you on that as that comes along. Hector's doing the advanced webinars now on the third Thursday of each month. It's free to listen to the webinar, but if you need CPE, then you you have to subscribe to get the CPE for that. So check out Hector's webinars as well. Then also, I'd invite you to, to join the QBVCon, the QuickBooks VCon, coming up in June, as well as the road show, the live training in a variety of cities. I know I'll be in Long Island in a couple of weeks after Scaling New Heights, and then I'll be down in Memphis and Texas, and there's other trainers in a variety of cities across the U.S., so check that out. You can find all that at QBTrainingEvents.com. Dan, go ahead and go to the next.
0: Yeah, and we're both going to be at uh, Scaling New Heights next week, so... If you're going to be there, yes. we'd love to, love to connect with uh, with, with you and, and uh, get your feedback on, on how the QB Power Hour 2.0 is going.
1: <laughs> and let us know, you know, you can send us messages in the Scaling New Heights app. Dan and I would love to meet up with some of you on the lunch hours or the breaks or at the social parties or whatever and get some pictures and post on the Power Hour Facebook page and share with other people. So, you know, contact us if you don't have our other info. Contact us through that Scaling New Heights app so we can meet up and, and have some fun. Awesome. Okay, next, Dan, nice. go ahead and go to the next slide.
0: Okay, so a little bit about our guest today. Um, so I have a little bio here so hopefully I can read it properly. So um, Mara, Mara, is it man or mom? Man. Man, okay. Mara yep. Man has That's over nice. 30 years of experience in both the private and public accounting. Over the past 17 years, she has provided... Attestation. Did I say that right?
2: Attestation.
0: Attestation and general business services, accounting system design, implementation and training of personnel in the areas of accounting practices, accounting software and internal financial management to exempt organizations and closely held businesses. Her areas of specialty include um, exempt organizations, including charter charter schools, Prior to returning to public accounting, Mara was responsible for all aspects of finance for a mid-sized Arizona-based charter airline company. Mara graduated from the University of Arizona, Bear Down, in 1989. Excuse me, uh, with a bachelor of science in accounting and finance, and has been licensed as a in Arizona as a certified public accountant since 1993. Uh, Mara is a member of. AICPA, American Institute of Certified Public Accountants, and the Arizona Society of Certified Public Accountants. Anything else you want to add about yourself, Mara?
2: Sure, yes, and welcome everybody. I started a company um, at the top of this year called Financial Transparency Resources, and it's an organization that provides training and development for nonprofit leaders to, to really assist them and train them in the world of their books and and to sort of facilitate that transparency is an access to financial performance. So before there can be financial transparency, they have to know what, what that would even look like for them. Um, I also teach nonprofit financial management at Arizona State University. I've taught at the master's level and currently last semester and this semester, I'll be teaching at the bachelor degree level.
0: So, so who do you root for, wildcats or sun devils, then?
2: I know, right?
0: <laughs> You're a traitor. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I am. I am. I've got family members that have been to both universities, so I like to consider myself a peacemaker. There you go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and knowing Mara, I can attest to that. <laughs> <laughs> so really, well, I appreciate Mara, you taking taking your time to to come out and, and join us today, and uh, I interrupted Michelle saying something
1: (laughs) oh no that's okay I was just gonna say Mara I I, I'm glad to see you know that you're teaching at the the university and things like that I used to teach as well um at Mm -hmm. University of Missouri Kansas City and uh, I did it for a number of years and I'm just really glad I'm not doing it anymore (laughs) so I admire you yeah totally think it was.
2: So, so I, I will my, say that my, my kids are that age, right? They're they're just a little bit uh, older than these yeah. kids that are at the university. And I really do find that uh, if I can relate to them more like my children, I'll fall in love with them and it's all good.
1: <laughs> yeah. Awesome. I I yeah, I got tired of grandmas dying and things like that where they have to take the test their first time and, you know, all these
2: things. <laughs> I've had a few grandmas dying, yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now, how
0: did... How did Go ahead. Prom- how did nonprofits become such a such a passion for you? Like uh, your your whole yeah. life now is is centered around nonprofit accounting, teaching nonprofit accounting, <laughs> working with nonprofits. How did that yeah. how did that come in to, to, yeah. to?
2: That's an interesting road. So when I left the airline industry uh, shortly after 9-11, when things the the landscape of airlines changed vastly, and how how especially a mid sized charter airline was being run, I took myself out of that industry and asked myself, like, what do I want to do next? Where do I want to go with my accounting skills? And my children were young at the time and in a charter school. And I thought, what better way to self-serve than to become an auditor of charter schools so I could see not only what's going on, but, but get an inside scoop on schools in general and be in that environment. And that is literally how I got involved in nonprofits as I started auditing charter schools and providing services to them and then then branched out and when you when you take the time to learn all about a niche industry niche industry <laughs> um, you could say one or the other or both right, yeah. so, <laughs> right. so that particular industry uh, the, the amount of studying that goes into that you know charter schools really only need my services for about four to five months out of the year. It leaves a whole other segment of the year to be providing different kinds of services and the charter school needs overlap greatly with nonprofits. The vast majority of charter schools are nonprofits. Might be surprising to hear that in Arizona, some are not, but the vast majority are. And so to have that knowledge under my belt was to be like, hey, I got to use that some other way the remainder of the year. And uh, as things evolved, I worked with more and more nonprofits um, originally out of Tucson and then all over the state. And, and that led to teaching the, the nonprofit institute, Low Star Center at ASU needed somebody to teach nonprofit leaders, and I happened to have an in on that with someone. And that's, that's how I got teaching for them, adults, and then they needed a, a teacher at the master's level and came to me as someone who had a lot of experience and knowledge and got relatively good ratings with, <laughs> with the adults. So they put me in with the master's level and then when they needed someone for a bachelor's level, I went in there and it's all been just one step leads me to the other in this industry.
0: Gotcha. And do you find that it's uh, equally rewarding and challenging or is it one more than the other?
2: I'd say it's equally rewarding and challenging. I, t- t- totally rewarding. I mean, that, to watch that I can have a direct effect uh, by training and developing people in what it is to run a business effectively in the backside, mostly by using their accounting system as a tool to collect and then report to them and provide information back to them in a way that's meaningful so that they can then make the decisions that really make a difference. So I have watched nonprofits turn the corner. I've watched nonprofits go from not thriving to thriving, simply out of minding their books, knowing what's going on and making good decisions based upon good information. That's incredibly rewarding. That has me know that I directly affect their mission. And then challenging. Well, I don't think I have to say too much about that.
0: (laughs) Well, that's kind of what we're going to focus on a little bit about what are some of the challenges that sure. come along with uh, with a nonprofit uh, business. Um, now, so a little bit, be, go ahead.
1: Before we before we get into that, can we go ahead and launch the first poll question? Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. I'm gonna, I'll go, okay, and then also, Mara. Um, so, Dan, you you go ahead and launch it if you want, or I can either one. Mara, if you look in the question box, somebody said that they would like some more information about your organization for the executive director of the nonprofit client that they represent. Um, she would love to have those educational resources. So that's in the question box. I don't know if you wanted to give out your contact info verbally or if you want to type it in. I don't know what you want to share with everybody um, about how they can contact you.
2: Great. I'll go ahead and I'll see if I can work out how to get that in.
0: (laughs) Or we
1: can in the questions. uh, Yeah, 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 in the questions you can type type it in there and then click send to all or send privately. You can choose how you want to do that.
2: Okay, great.
0: Yeah, so our first poll question is just how many nonprofit clients do you have? And um, anywhere from a lot to what the heck's a nonprofit. So <laughs> I'm glad to see so far that we have we have not had any response on what's a nonprofit. So <laughs> so we got uh, got that out of the way. But, uh, just a few more seconds there on who uh, on, on to answer that.
1: And then we'll you know Dan, a fun question would have been how many nonprofit organizations have you been the treasurer of Oh, right <laughs> right yeah every <laughs> like, oh, every time it's no yeah if you're kids on the soccer team or you're involved with church or you're in the you know rotary club, whatever, if they know you're an accountant or a bookkeeper, they want you to be the treasurer, right. <laughs>
2: And I I did forget to mention I do sit on the board of the Arizona Sustainability Alliance as their treasurer. Ah. (laughs) um,
0: All right. I'm going to go ahead and close
1: the poll and share it with you guys real quick. Sorry, Dan. Uh,
0: That's okay. So, yeah, a few is the the clear winner (laughs) of this poll. So uh, everybody could be using a little bit uh, more more information about that. But a little tidbit that I found out about Mara is that you used to be a trainer for peach tree.
2: I did. I was the <laughs> trainer in Arizona for peach tree. I went back to Georgia, got myself all trained up. And this was back in a, before I worked for the airline, I worked for a CPA firm from 1987 to 1990. And um, at that time, got myself trained up, did telephone support, did three years of telephone support for peach tree. And, um, learned a lot about accounting systems and how people use systems or don't use systems. And 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 yeah, and a lot about um, just the degree to which people launch into using these things without really any background knowledge of how to, (laughs) what makes them tick.
0: Now, as far as because this is the QB power hour, not the Peachtree power hour. um, What what QuickBooks products do you find that you are using mostly these days with your with your nonprofit
2: account? Yeah. So for me, I use QuickBooks Online uh, for my own business and for the nonprofit that I sit on the board as a. treasurer. I also have several clients that use that product so that I'm checking in on their books or I audit them and I utilize my access to their books in order to pull the information I need. Um, My desktop version is enterprise because I I am an accountant and I have connected with QuickBooks and they've graced me with that product so I drive the Cadillac um, on my desktop. (laughs) I'm sorry, no convertible. Of Porsche. Uh. It's it's the Porsche, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, I drive that on my on my laptop. However, uh, I find most of my clients that are using QuickBooks, and the majority of my clients do use QuickBooks, and they're using one of the various lower lower price packages.
0: Gotcha. Pro. Uh, Pro or, yeah.
2: or Premier. Gotcha. Mm-hmm.
0: Awesome. So uh, we did the poll there. So our first major topic, and, and what we want to talk about, is tracking expenses by program programmatic Ah, program How is that pronounced?
2: <laughs> Programmatic.
0: Programmatic, administrative and fundraising using classes. Uh, right. So um, do you find that, that that class tracking is kind of like a, a, a need uh, for for nonprofits like you can't have it, can't do it without it?
2: So as an auditor and as someone who ends up with a set of financial statements that are gap, um, I find it to be almost imperative that we use this, the class system to at least identify the difference between programmatic expenses, fundraising expenses, and administrative expenses. Now, I've been around long enough um, that that there, the, there's an older system where we classify accounts starting with fives as programmatic expenses, and then cl- and then accounts starting with sevens as fundraising, and nine as admin. And that was a way that we used to do it before QuickBooks came along and added this class structure. And at first, I hated the class structure. I didn't want anything to do with it. I couldn't print a trial balance, and I immediately identify the difference between programmatic and administrative or or fundraising expenses. But as I got to using it, uh, I discovered that I now prefer this method because I can pr- I can print a income statement by class and very quickly if they're using the class structure and they're using it correctly, I can see not just what expenses were related to programs but and, and fundraising and admin, but I can also see segregation of different kinds of programs or different kinds of fundraising, which then assists me if they want their fun- if they want their financials to have programmatic columns. And they actually want to display different large programs and they're keeping that this way then you know it's it has saved me a ton of work right even even the work of downloading things into excel through you know like downloading a general ledger into excel and then trying to parse through it having that and having that used properly is incredibly useful. And of course, using it properly entails not just that they have the system set up to get things in properly, but that they're also reconciling and checking through things. They have a place to put things when they don't know, and then that they zero that out at some point by getting things into the right place. So, so the, the, the class system and then even further than that, the subclass system, you know, where they can take programs as a class and then make all their large programs subclasses and and then create a, another subclass for other programs that are smaller or, or where they can put their unclassified items is really important. And same with fundraising. You know, when you do the tax return and I don't do tax returns for nonprofits, I do have someone else that does them, but I do know that, that he always comes back to me and asks, you know, can you tell me what the income and expenses were for these fundraisers? And when they keep that in a class and subclass system, again, you know, the large ones separated by subclass and then the larger ones just, all, you know, like they subtotal into fundraisers, I can then provide that information to the preparer of the tax return in a way that has minimal amount of work for all of us. Otherwise, again, I'm downloading a GL into, into Excel. I'm trying to parse based on memo or something, and that just gets annoying, right? Yeah. Uh, Administrative
1: typically is one class, yes? So speaking of the classes and everything, we did have a great question here for you. Um, As you know, with QuickBooks Payroll, it doesn't allow you to assign or allocate those individual paychecks to multiple classes. Any suggestions as how to efficiently do this?
2: So the best way I found to do that is to—I mean, I, yes, I acknowledge that they don't have that, and that is a missing, right? If there was a wish list, that would be one of the big ones because, like in charter schools, you have people who are working on title grants, and and they sh- and and yet maybe they're also doing aftercare, and we're not able to move—you know—have those initially go where they need to go, but moving them is is the only option we have. And so we do a um, an Excel spreadsheet that takes payroll information that's downloaded out of QuickBooks into an Excel system, and then, based upon tables, allocates them and gives us an entry. Now, that's a little more sophisticated. Uh, we built that specifically for charter schools so that they can get an entry that can be then put back in and is backed up by an Excel spreadsheet
0: and so you, so end, sorry, up, you end up having not the some,
2: best answer
0: <laughs> basically create a journal entry to and from the same yeah. account and then classify one side correct of it. yeah correct and and uh, the, the, the the batch reclassification tool which is an account accountant feature is a is a great ad uh, you know for when they're missing their their classifications obviously you can't you know reclassify uh payroll transactions y- using that but um i remember um i was uh you know using quickbooks online to manage my son's uh cub scout <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, i was going through each transaction and changing the class i'm like boy i wish we had it oh we do have a tool okay so <laughs> <laughs> that's when I realized I will never forget that tool, uh, the battery classification tool, to be able to go through and and reclassify just a class. Um, and then do you find now that with the uh, usage limits that QuickBooks Online uh, is, is now imposing for, for QuickBooks Online Plus customers, if they have over 40 classes, yeah. they have to go up to QuickBooks Online Advanced. Of course, now that's uh, being cost prohibitive for these non profits you know <laughs> taking away from their fundraising efforts by going into a larger uh, do you find that 40 is is not enough for, uh,
2: for, for no, a non- 40 40 sh- 40 should be sufficient for a small nonprofit um, you know if you are looking at programmatic classes and uh-huh. classes of different programs if they've got more than 30 programs that they're trying to track uh, on. Don't put them in the small category. Mm-hmm. Uh, while it's possible that they would like to track them at that level, it's unlikely that they're doing that.
0: Gotcha. And then, you know, taking them to desktop would probably be your best option at yeah. that point. You know, if you want to stay within the, the QuickBooks ecosystem, uh, plus, you know, you're going to have a, a better balance sheet by class um, functionality with, uh, with with desktop anyway.
2: Correct. Correct, yeah. And I'm less concerned, you know, for organizations that gr- get grants where they actually are purchasing fixed assets, then we have that come into play. It's it's not as common. Um, it's, it's not a hugely common thing that they're buying assets. Sometimes they do, but at least the, the nonprofits I work with don't have that as often. And if we do, you know, if they're buying computers, or something that's a little bit more long-lived, we're put, noting that on, again, on an Excel spreadsheet.
0: Gotcha. Well, let's go <laughs> on to the next thing. So tracking grant and or restrictive funds using classes and projects, both. Both, right.
2: Yeah. yeah, So so one of the things that I've discovered in working with nonprofits is there's just a lot of ways they wanna get information out, right? We've got classes and subclasses, we've got now, this projects option that shows up in QuickBooks Online, which the first time I saw that, you know, I dove in and started to play with it. And then it disappeared for a while. And then it came back. Like, you know,
0: toying with you.
2: <laughs> yeah. It took me a bit to figure out, like, how do I use this? What's this about? How can I utilize this area in order to obtain information? And so it worked beautifully for us in in the. Arizona Sustainability Alliance, where for us, we have obviously programmatic fundraising administrative classes. We Under programmatic, we do have subclasses that match our priority areas. So for a sustainability organization, we have different priority areas such as urban um, urban forestry, we have uh, sustainable food systems, sustainable energy. And if I were just to take those three right there, Further inside of those areas, we have projects. And one of our projects that are super active right now are tower gardens, putting tower gardens in schools. Really awesome. The thing is, is that those tower gardens are funded by different grants and different people. So while we have a subclass program, tower gardens underneath uh, sustainable food systems, we are getting money from multiple places. How do we segregate whose money is actually getting used on what project? So, so oh, we said oh project. <laughs> there we go. We use a project. And and what's really right, great man. is is that yeah, it was really great is is that we're getting these money these monies from donors. Say Microsoft. Um, Microsoft gives us funds for for low-income schools, getting these projects into low-income schools. So then as the money comes in, I'm setting up a customer, Microsoft, as a donor slash project would be, you know, the the Cibola um, School District Mm -hmm. Power Gardens, right? Then I can actually allocate the expenses directly to that project so that when Microsoft comes back, as they will, and says, how did you spend our money? We very easily can pull a project report that shows this is exactly how we spent your money on this project, which falls under the larger program of Tower Gardens, under the larger larger area of, of food systems. So that has been a fabulous way to, one, show that we've actually utilized the restricted funds um and use them in a way that m- is a match for what we said we would use them for right and be able to report to microsoft and then also um i think we're going to go into one more level is that correct where i where i bring in businesses yes okay it's a perfect time to do that
0: okay we'll segue okay. into that <laughs> Okay. Uh, and
1: dan if you dan if you can monitor the questions i'm flagging some that you mm-hmm. might want to ask her Okay. So go ahead. I'm gonna keep myself muted. Go ahead.
0: All right. <laughs> Let's go to the next slide. Wrong way again. <laughs> so yeah, our next thing was uh, was was in kind donations.
2: Okay. So before we go there, I'd really mm-hmm. like to go back and just hit upon using the business field, which uh, I, I personally think is very easy to overlook in its placement, you know, we've got classes are where classes are, and then we've got projects at least only available on the online version that I know of and they are located off to the left hand on the left hand ribbon. Right. And then we have business, which isn't actually anywhere other than um, on an entry screen. So if we're entering invoices or expenses, there's this little box over on the upper top portion of an entry screen that says business. And, and at first, again, you know, when I see new fields show up, I, from my own experience in tech support and making the most out of any accounting system, right, really using it to its fullest, I see new fields, I start to play with them and see what can I do with them. And with the businesses, what was super exciting about that one is, is I found that inside the the food area inside the Tower Garden area, inside the Microsoft Money, we were actually putting these Tower Gardens in multiple schools, like actual schools, the projects themselves. And so I started putting the school names in those business area so that I can then also now report to the school about what we spent on their particular school out of the Microsoft Money in our Tower Garden project in our food area so you can begin to see how you can layer these pieces of information. And so I'm using business as the most the smallest identifier with projects as a larger identifier and then subclasses and classes as the large, even larger and then largest uh, identifier. So so I encourage you, I mean, like I've tested these things through and through and uh, go make use of them. They're super useful. I can print reports in one way or another that gives me information about all those areas so that I can report to any level of of participating um, stakeholders. Okay. Can, well, we've got some advice. Can you,
0: clar- oh,
2: go ahead. Can you
1: clarify about can you clarify about the business? They're saying they don't see a box that says business or the business field. Can you clarify? That, that would be
0: that would be location tracking, right? That's what you're referring to yep. Yep. Yeah, so you can change the word location to whatever nomenclature oh, okay. you want and uh, well the one you'll have a choice so you could choose a department or business or location but the what she's referring to is the location tracking in QuickBooks Online Plus. So you have the class and location, and then you can further change location to something that's more uh, pertinent to the business, whatever that happens.
2: Great. Great. Thanks for pointing that out. I think I changed it. and forgot I changed
0: it. <laughs> it's been so long ago.
2: <laughs>
0: we did. Uh, we did have a couple. couple. Um, best practice questions. Um, so. Okay. Um, what would you do with things like merchant service fees for donations? So like if somebody Uh, uh, charges credit cards, would you put that in the fundraising class or admin?
2: Yeah, I, I have taken the position where I put that in the administrative class. I know that that's not advantageous. Typically, if you put merchant fees in, into, um, Fundraising, you're not going to get a lot of pushback from an auditor, given that it's not—it's uh, unlikely to be material. However, I put them in admin. You know, like I put them under banking fees in admin. Um, I also would class it. You know, when I when I set up administrative, I have things like back of the house admin, you know, just purely not related to the programs or fundraising. And then I have other things in my admin classes that are related to supporting fundraising or supporting programs, so that I then have a little bit of play in how I uh, interpret things.
0: Gotcha, so like they have like a storage shed or something like that, where right. <laughs> you throw that in.
2: an audit, you know, yeah. <laughs> audit is very, very back of the house, you know, like mm-hmm. it has nothing to do with programs, so to speak. Right. Where, where uh, education, you know, if we send somebody to a, um, if we send somebody to a conference and there's components that is, that help them with programs, we may put it more in the, you know, put it in this area of administrative that has more to do with program. At the very least, you know, we then can segregate and in our annual report, talk about why our administrative costs are at 18%, right? Our administrative costs are at 18%. We spent X amount on training and development because we can, I quickly identify that, that assists in elevating programs.
0: Okay. Well, we are just having so much good, a good time talking about these two things we're going to run right. out of time. So
2: let's go on <laughs> let's, to the next thing. Yeah.
0: So in-kind donations, what uh, yeah. that's, that's where someone trade you know, gives them something tangible, right?
2: Right. It's a non-cash donation. Uh, okay. it could be not necessarily tangible. It could be a service. It could be a service that qualifies as an in-kind donation as a professional service. And, um, the thing that I want to say about in-kind donations is to support our clients because we all know that an in-kind donation is recorded as a debit to an expense typically or an asset and a credit to donation right we that that entry gets in most often as a journal entry and and and, and the thing about clients is that they may not really get connected to that Your in-kind donations will always equal expenses that are related to the in-kind donations. And so I set them up just to prevent long-term problems. I set them up with accounts that very clearly identify in-kind. So I may do a sub-account under contributions to say in-kind contributions. And sometimes I say dash service and sometimes I say dash expense, but just so that they could see that, that they're segregated. And then in the expense area, if they have in-kind donations, whatever expense that is, whether it's legal services or um, gardening, right, whatever that might be, I may put a subclass that says in-kind donations. And then one of my steps that I set them up with, you know, is to go back and make sure that those things equal each other. Ongoingly and it's important that they capture all these in-kind donations. It's a requirement, Mm -hmm. so it is important But it's also important like if you're to enroll them and why they're doing this and they're being diligent about it, it Is so that one they can get the true story recorded on their financials. They actually get Represented the value of contributions even when they're not in cash. And the value of the expenses. So so if they especially are getting services that they may have to pay for in the future, when they go to budget going forward, they can see those expenses and at least have the opportunity to consider, is this something that we're gonna be given again? Or is this something that we're now gonna to have to pay for? And I've had organizations that I've audited that don't even recognize the rent that they're being gifted. So. <laughs> so that when they go and they are calculating the future year's expenses, and they may not have that available, it's not obvious and apparent to them necessarily.
0: Awesome. And we're gonna talk a little bit about uh, budgets in uh, in a future, future slide here, but I did wanna run another poll. So this would be, uh, what challenges uh, do you find most about working with nonprofits, things like working with the board, rules and regulations, all the bank accounts, budgeting, or just general lack of knowledge.
2: <laughs> that that one I knew was going to be a front runner.
0: <laughs> right. We do have some people um, asking about if you would share your, your Excel spreadsheet that you were talking about. I don't know if that's something proprietary, uh, but I'm sure that would be a, a great resource if it's, if it's something you can make available. Oh, yeah.
2: So so it is a little bit complex. I will front front you with that one. I'd be happy to, um, I don't know how we're going to get it out to people, but I'd be happy it, to. If, Mara, if you can
1: get it to us, we can put it in the folder that has all the QB Power Hour handouts so people could access okay. it from the same folder. Okay, super. Awesome.
2: Super, super, super. Yeah. And what I would say is, is that you want to be aware that there's tables involved so you'll be able to modify the tables with percentages and uh, modify the employee table as well so that I'll sterilize it so that you can put in what you need to put in. Maybe I'll put some. Something that looks like an employee name so that you you can recognize it as that and then you can play with it, modify it so that you can use it for yourself.
0: Awesome. All right, so as predicted, <laughs> yeah, it's 47% general lack of knowledge and that and that's just kind of the nature of the beast with with nonprofits because you know most of these people are volunteering their time um, you know with the exception of some of the larger nonprofits, but typically that's not what we're dealing with with regards to you know QuickBooks.
2: Yeah. So I'd like to just say something about that. And that is, is that, you know, as an auditor, I have to be very careful about what I, what, what decisions I make on their behalf, right? Like I don't make any management decisions on their behalf. However, I can train them and develop them in, in gap. I can train and develop them in how to use their accounting software. I can train and develop them in best practices, right? Without actually making decisions for them. And, um, for those of you who are not auditors, your gift to the world really is in setting up and and assisting them in setting up their accounting system in a way that really supports them to to adhere to GAP, right? And um, things as simple as the in-kind donations gives them a space to put what needs to be put and to be present. To something that needs to be done, so there's all different kinds of ways to assist them through the setup of QuickBooks to help them out.
0: Awesome, awesome. That's a yeah. great, great, great perspective on on that. Um, so our next topic: organizing information to satisfy compliance requirements for nonprofits.
2: Right, <laughs> so and this, again,
0: This speak to that rules and regulations piece of that,
2: right? Sure, right, totally. Um, <laughs> Care who you are, how bad our vendor risk assessment is. I will find I will find you an auditor. That's great. I'm saving that. Okay. Uh, yeah. So so I'll many of us, share. <laughs> many of us don't have to be concerned with the compliance issues. That's kind of their deal, unless you're an auditor, and then all of a sudden compliance becomes a very important issue. And uh, again, you know, there's there's a general lack of knowledge. Sometimes a frightening amount of lack of knowledge on a client's uh, part in what is actually expected of them. Lo- small nonprofits, ones that are either new or have not had federal or state grants or local grants issued to them in the past and all of a sudden do, may not even fully read the grant document to understand what's expected of them or required of them and then not, not just not fulfill on it, but also not set themselves up to be able to fulfill on it. So so for clients who have been operating inside of grants for a long period of time They've learned either they've read what they need or they've learned the hard way and knocked up against some walls have been corrected But it's especially the new ones the, the new nonprofits and the nonprofits that have not worked inside of grant requirements before that they aren't familiar necessarily with all the different kinds of compliance requirements that grants have especially like federal grants if you think about um, a nonprofit that is dabbling into the world of single audit for the first time, where they're they're receiving large grants over 750,000 uh, on up, and and they're not getting the support they need. So inside of this accounting system, there are different ways. One of them to make sure that payroll is allocated appropriately and can be substantiated using the Excel spreadsheet or some other way to so that they get those entries in accurately. Um, another way would be to make sure, like if they require matching funds, to set up a separate type of account, an income account, that specifically says matching funds, so that their grant revenue and their matching funds, they can tell very easily if, if that's a match. And that would be like a, um, inside of one class, utilizing the same, say, project ID, but two different account numbers, one saying revenue slash grant, and one saying revenue slash matching funds. So picking apart the grant document to look for where they might have issues is a valid and valuable service to begin to look at how you can structure the accounts, the classes, the the payroll tracking, um, so, as to, so as to assist them and support them in making those compliance requirements easy to identify. Gotcha. That they're matching and, them.
0: There's, and there's so many different ways to slice and dice and pull out the information that you want. I mean, you've, you've talked already yeah. about doing something with classes. We've talked about projects. We've talked about segregating out with, with the chart of accounts. Do you ever find that? There's a a bleed over between like, you know, especially if you're not like constantly involved in their in their um, in their everyday day to day. That Oh, they started doing this with accounts and now we've done done some things with classes and that should be vice versa.
2: My my knowledge, my experience with clients is that they want to be help to decide what to do, and then they'll keep doing it where the bleed over occurs is when staff changes,
0: mm. you know,
2: because because of the nature of nonprofits, the oftentimes lower pay and volunteer nature. We do find that that even the position in the bookkeeping area or the accounting area turns over at a higher rate and um I know that you can all relate to this. Someone <laughs> comes in and they know better. Right. And they know better, they know better, they're gonna start messing with things, switching things around. What What is needed and wanted is a system, system documented, Uh, to be followed with with reconciling happening outside of the person who's putting stuff in right good good internal control says we've got a segregation of duties and i know that that can be difficult in small nonprofits. however having a board member or treasurer on board to at least put a second set of eyes on things to see that things are being done the way that they were designed to be done is super important Uh, especially during those times of, of, of switchover and having documented end of month end of quarter end of year processes to to reconcile and check in to make sure that everything's being done the way it's designed is super important i create those those processes for clients all the time we sit down and we look at like what would what are the things that you are trying to achieve in your accounting system and how do we make sure to keep those on track and how often do you want to check in on those and i'll just take notes and then give them the notes so that they can prepare a checklist to, to check things like, does my wages equal my quarterly report? Um, did, did, did the bank accounts all get reconciled? Even if there was no activity, did it get reconciled? And, and did I look at my class reports for the one where I'm putting things I don't know where to put or I'm putting things that need to be allocated, did those get handled? Right. And and the the payroll split out, get made to make sure that they're doing the process. They've got their minds, you know, they're they're running around doing everything from running to Costco to pick up toilet paper because they ran out to to filling in in programmatic areas where people don't show up. And. The stuff in the back of the house gets done last. (laughs)
0: Right. Right.
2: Yeah. So 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 everything possible I can think of to support them, I put in to support Mm -hmm. them one of the things I want to go back just briefly um, mm-hmm. the thing about the bank accounts and not a lot of people mentioned it but I did have a non call me out of the blue and say look we have all these all these separate areas we track all of our bank accounts we split them out in we have one bank account but we split it out into many many different like funds and then I, I it's just horrible to try to reconcile those I just want to remind people that if they're using a bank account and they're splitting it out, they can actually use sub accounts of that cash account and then reconcile it at the main account level. Mm-hmm. And that yeah, way right? they can they can track cash individually mm-hmm. if they feel the need to, and at the by 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 grant and then reconcile it all as one account. Right. So that so does come up.
0: Match the reality, you know, the QuickBooks reality to the reality reality. <laughs> Correct. Correct. Do you ever find that, you know, I mean, I I can imagine that you know having having a a big heart, and then you get uh, get involved with a with a client, and then you see their their situation. Having having a harder conversation about, well, you got you got to pay for my services, right?
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. Being, so. you know,
0: wanting to do that in kind donation of your time, you know. <laughs> so, and so I do. Their, I their, give away. Right.
2: Yeah. And, and I do seriously give away more time than I bill for Mm. in all my endeavors. (laughs) Yeah. And, and, you know, if anyone who's taught at a university level knows that that's just next door to giving away your time, Mm -hmm. right. But, but it's, it it, it is all in service of the greater good. And uh, what I do offer is, I, I mean, I do have a limit to what I can do for free. And I oftentimes will say, this is what I see would make a difference for you. I can do it at this rate. I can train someone else to do it at this rate or I can give you the homework and have you do it. Mm-hmm. And I've done it enough times that I've got enough things I can throw their way that they can try to make sense of and then utilize me at a much lower level to sort of give them hints and instruct them right. briefly, right? I
0: think I think if nothing else if if anybody takes that away from this webinar <laughs> that will be a huge a huge win yeah uh, so let's talk a little bit about i got I got it the right way, okay, <laughs> the okay. audit tray <laughs> how how best does that uh does that fit in with
2: yeah, you? so nothing like trying to figure out how something happened and everyone's got the same log on information <laughs> and everyone's still pointing fingers. <laughs> And, and, you know, we have multiple people who are supposedly uh, reconciling versus viewing the reconciliation versus, um, you know, approving or purchase orders or whatever. And and there's no way to prove it. Absolutely no way to prove it. The, The fact that we've gone more and more electronic, you know, I have clients that don't even have paper invoices anymore. And they expect me to be able to audit when there's nothing for me to put my hands on. And so more and more and more and more and more and more, the audit trails become imperative to have not just turned on, but utilized to its fullest. Again, everybody's got their own log on. Um, enables me to be able to see what is actually happening in there. Say we have a, a, a chronic systemic issue. I can go in and through some sleuthing, determine that, you know, it's the executive director that has no idea that she's putting things in backwards. Or she's <laughs> she's viewing things and eliminating them, you know, like deleting them without even recognizing that she's doing that. So and and oftentimes it is the executive director because <laughs> they, they have access and they have knowledge, and then they get in and they don't know what they're doing in the system and things get messed up. But to be able to look in there and and one, be able to tell from a system point of view, what is actually happening here that's causing non workability, right? Like like I have one one client who every year, the bookkeeper has a really hard time transitioning to the next year, like, you know, 2016-17. And she's putting things in with a 16 date.
0: Mm.
2: And 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 then, you know, someone else is getting blamed for it. And we're going back and trying to figure out why are beginning getting balances don't balance and having to, after a lot of line by line research, noticing that 17 items were put in 16. So if we had been able to tell it was her, we wouldn't have had to blame a bunch of other people and keep our eyes on and have to continue dealing with it. So I just I just wanna encourage everybody to have that turned on and to have everybody have their own username and password.
0: Yeah, I mean that it's was a, a big thing, you know, when, uh... Uh, well, five years ago, there was a lot of login sharing, um, and then, and then, you know, login, you know, uh, p- people were getting hijacked and and that sort of thing. And we we instituted uh, into it, instituted, you know, mm-hmm. everybody have their own login and the multi-factor authentication. And it was just a yes. a, a learning curve, <laughs> and uh, just to realize that that's really for their own good, you know, that it each is. individual person. You know, it's like when some when a married couple shares a Facebook account, you really don't know who you're talking to, right?
2: <laughs> no. Indeed, indeed, and and really, it, it's gonna it's going to shorten the time period of of dealing with systemic issues.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and then our next thing. Oh, and I wanted to talk a little bit about the word audit, right? Because you know, you do a lot of audits. Um, what, what is that like for you when you come in and you're the auditor <laughs> of a nonprofit? I mean, what is that kind of relationship, I, I'm oh, sure it's gosh. not like group hug, uh, first day. No,
2: no, but I, oh boy, if I can contribute this to the auditors out there. So my experience for much of my career, maybe half of my career at this point, cause it's been a while was that I came in, I got put in the back room by the bathrooms and <laughs> And people were afraid of been me. great, <laughs> yeah, they're afraid of me, and um anxious, and you know they do crazy things, like put signs on their door like don't talk to me, I'm in the middle of the audit auditors here, which has everybody in the business be afraid of the auditor it, It's not a good uh necessary connotation, and I even walked into a school one time, and someone said to me, "Oh, do you have horns under those that hair?" <laughs> I thought, wow, you know, I was like, I just really am related to you in a positive way. Um, <laughs> and I found, I found several years in uh, 2012, very burnt out. I was widowed. I had small children, couldn't leave my career in my view, right? I could not leave my career, but very, very disempowered about, about my experience of my career. Like I go into places and people don't like me. They are afraid of me. And, um, all I want to do is be a contribution. I just I had to identify that that's what was missing for me is I want to be a contribution. I just don't feel like a contribution is an auditor. They're paying me money. They don't want to pay me to come in and find problems. They don't want to deal with, and 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 it and it's not fun for anyone. Um. So so I started talking to my clients about relating to their audit not as the opportunity to be shown that they failed and that they're they've got problems. I really talk to them about yes an audit has to be one where i come in and i look and i report on what, what i find but the opportunities all year long are to educate themselves and develop themselves uh, we, we have more stringent requirements now than we did when i first started where in reality back in the day we were going in and making the books and saying we audited them and of course along the way that was like no you can't do that and we cannot do that anymore and, and you just can't do that. You really do have to train them, develop them to succeed. Not make their decisions for them, but give them the information so that they can make the right decisions themselves. Awesome. That then I discovered I love my job.
0: Ah. <laughs> Fantastic. Now, Mara, um, you have been, you've been a wealth
1: of information i wanted to share this comment with you mara mara is wonderfully articulate and knowledgeable so (laughs) you've got some fans out here i think you're great (laughs) however we are at the top of the hour and i know some people have a hard stop so i'm going to go ahead and launch the final poll question mara do you have time to stick around for a few more minutes i do awesome because i think we wanted to talk a little about (laughs) budgeting um and uh, so maybe we could do that so those of you that can and want to stick around please do so um we'll keep mar for a few more minutes and pick her brain and try to get some more of these questions answered um but answer this poll question did you learn something new today hopefully you did um and uh, that's always great when you join us and you learn something new i know i did i learned some new yeah. things too and Mara, I totally agree with you about being in the auditor and the looks that you get, and people afraid of you. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. I don't miss those auditing days. I can tell you that. You don't like people cringing when they see you walking in the door. That's never fun. <laughs> right.
0: Or they, or they shush themselves.
1: <laughs> yeah. All right. And, and, I'm going to give you a few, few more seconds on the poll question. I'm going to go ahead and close it okay. in five, four, three, two one all right thankfully the vast majority did learn something new all right go ahead you two okay so
0: this is the after the show part right mm-hmm. <laughs> so we had I, I i threw this in there you didn't you didn't put it in there but i i think that um, you know from my experience of of talking to accountants who call into into a tech support uh, budgets in general are just kind of like the uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, um, I don't want to touch bane. them, or they just don't do what I want them to do.
2: Yeah, the the word would be bane of my existence. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that would be the but word. And then you
0: throw in all these extra categorizations with that you're talking about, with extra counts and classifications, customers or sub-customers, projects, jobs. How, how do you find that that budgeting? in a nonprofit type of situation ends up, you know, being beneficial uh, or, or using QuickBooks's budgeting to, to be beneficial?
2: Yeah. So first of all, uh, essential, hmm. capital E, capital S, <laughs> capital E, you no, know, it's like <laughs> essential, 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 essential. But I teach budgeting at the college level. I teach budgeting to nonprofit um, leaders. And when I do, I ask them to, to focus less on the how to and the more on the why should i uh, and and the overall view of of the budget so we know we've told we've been told right that that budgets are guide they're a map um, many nonprofits don't understand that they're they are just out a guide not something that has to be followed verbatim mm-hmm. but um, I've been working with nonprofit leadership to have them look more at budgeting as an ongoing process, not like a do it once a year, set it up, and then see how it turns out at the end of the year or on a month-to-month basis, but actually have it be dynamic and ongoing so that they are constantly looking and assessing at what they thought would happen versus what actually happened and and discovering the why of the variance like all the informations in the variance and then going to the back end of their audit and tweaking and adjusting and modifying and so if they have a 18 month 2 year 3 year budget in place where they're constantly modifying what they see is going to happen going forward that that is the most useful beneficial tool you can imagine now when it comes to expressing that inside of their software inside of quickbooks I'm sorry, I'm going to say that it it doesn't translate well. You know, something that's super useful and dynamic and ongoing just does not express itself well inside of QuickBooks. Now, you can set up a budget for sure. And and it doesn't necessarily, you know, when you set up a budget, you look at what's going to happen next year. That's the first step, what you think is going to happen next year, what that might look like to to plan the the strategy that you have for the organization and how you're going to fulfill on your mission in the next year. You can you can set up your annual amounts, and of course, we can spread it evenly throughout the year, or we can go through and look at month to month to month to month to month and what we actually think might happen each period. And that itself takes some brain power that that many nonprofit leaders have a hard time with. But that would be the next step, right? and i don't know that it's useful to go into any other depth with that i think it's more useful to focus on being able to compare month to month what actually happened to what what we thought would happen look at the variance understand why variance and then express that going forward into the remainder of the budget and again keep it dynamic and keep it keep it perpetual and go out as long as you think you can that's the most useful thing in my view And I wish I could say QuickBooks has that handled and they, it's just (laughs) not yet. Yeah. So Mara, we had a question when you're talking about budgeting, how
1: would they budget for a fixed asset, a large purchase that doesn't go on the P&L? Do you have any suggestions for that?
2: Yes. Yes. So, so when we, t- so we talk about there's two different ways to do that. Uh, when I was working with the airline, I incorporated the balance sheet into my budgeting spreadsheets to show what hit cash, what hit other assets, and and to the best of my ability affected the balance sheet as well in my budget. Um, that doesn't work for for most organizations. You know, we we don't know. There's less known about the balance sheet and how it's going to be affected than than the income statement, especially when you throw in things like accounts payable and accounts receivable. But um, for nonprofits, if you set up a budget to show use of funds versus income and expenses, if you're really looking at provision of funds and use of funds, you can account for use of funds that are fixed assets versus expenses. that is separate from the expense side, which would not take into account the the whole asset amount, but instead would reflect the increase in depreciation. So there are really two different reports where you're looking at use of funds and provision of funds as a cash flow projection, so to speak, versus a hard budget that is really just addressing income and expense, but could have the balance sheet added, if that is something that that were meaningful. Nice. Sorry, that was like a long sentence.
0: <laughs> but but impactful.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, I think that the, the important thing to remember always is that we have some standardized um, reports that we consider standardized, but information is information. And as long as you understand that you're monkeying with the information, how it's displayed, but if it's meaningful and informational to you. Do it. Just don't say it's GAP.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, Mara, as as we wrap up here um, in our final minutes, do you have any final words of wisdom that you'd like to share with our attendees?
2: The best service you can provide them is to understand their business, what they're trying to accomplish, where their weaknesses are, and how their systems can mitigate those weaknesses.
1: Also. You know, I think that's great advice for any client, not just nonprofit, <laughs> right. but any client that we might have. So yeah. awesome! Uh, I, well, love, we had,
0: had, I love what you said about ahead. being a, being a contribution. You know, I mean, that's that's the part that you play in this uh, in the mission of a nonprofit is being a being a contribution to their their mission and their vision. And yeah. great, great way to to have a good perspective about you know, what it is that you're doing.
2: Exactly.
1: Well, Mara, I I want to read you one more comment here. People are talking about you in the questions area. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody said, loved Mara. She is so intelligent and point on. So I agree totally with that. And I really want to thank you for joining us today. And Dan, thank you for finding her and bringing her to us um, (laughs) as we start exploring niche nuances and uh, continue to talk about... um, various industries and things like that so very good thank you so much for joining us and taking time out of your busy day and if you can send that excel spreadsheet to dan um we will get that uploaded where the handouts are uploaded to make that available to people so thank you very much for sharing your expertise as well as your spreadsheet we appreciate that very much
0: (laughs) (laughs) expertise and excel yes yes mara thank you so much for joining us today i know it was Kind of last minute, and and we were trying to figure out how to get this all working out. But I think it worked out great. And uh, you it, you're, you are a contribution to to our audience and uh, and, and the accounting uh, industry at large here and the uh, way to use QuickBooks uh, to to handle these types of things. Uh, this is going to be a great great value add uh, for years to come. Great. So, thank you so much. Yeah. Okay.
1: Bye. Okay. Thank you all for joining us. Remember, catch us at Scaling New Heights next week. We hope to see you all there. And if not, we'll see you in a couple weeks. We might have Rich Priest. We've got to check with his schedule, so we'll let you know um, coming up. Join us in the Facebook group as well. And thank you all again. Bye, everybody. Have a great day.
0: We hope you enjoyed listening to the QB Power Hour podcast. If you have any questions, feel free to ask them in our Facebook group. You can find those resources and much more at qbpowerhour.com.